Hey, this is Scott Walker here. You're on your You Can't Recall Courage, our weekly podcast. Thanks for joining us again. You know, at the very moment when the American-style free enterprise system is having arguably its greatest success, young people are losing faith in it. Now, Gallup recently reported that just 47%, less than half of all of our adults, are extremely proud to be Americans. That's the first time that number has fallen below a majority. And what's even more amazing is that amongst young people, so adults from 18 to 29, the number of people who say they're extremely proud to be Americans is just 24%. Less than a quarter of all the adults under the age of 30 are extremely proud to be Americans. Just as bad, Gallup found that 58%, nearly 60% of young Americans think that socialism would actually be a good thing for our country. So why are we seeing such a dramatic decline in patriotism and, and a rise, unfortunately, in support for socialism amongst young Americans? Well, for one thing, I think they're, they're bombarded with messages from left-wing professors and politicians who tell them over and over again that America is somehow the land of inequity, that, uh, uh, that capitalism is unjust, and somehow that their generation is getting a raw deal. You might remember earlier this year, a member of Congress, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said on Twitter, this quote's amazing to me, an entire generation, these were her words, an entire generation, which is now becoming one of the largest electorates in America, came of age and never saw American prosperity. Never saw American prosperity? What are you talking about? AOC is absolutely wrong. In fact, the opposite is true. No generation in human history has ever, ever experienced a world with more prosperity, a world with more freedom, more leisure time, more access to information, higher literacy rates, better life expectancy, lower child mortality, less poverty, less disease, less hunger, and less violent crime than this current generation. That's why it's so amazing to me when you, when you think about this kind of outburst. It's just not even based anywhere in reality. It's one of the frustrations when you think about the contrast. These are the things we should be focusing on instead of many of the things that, that are the focus of, of the media these days. You know, over the past 30 years, this statistic's interesting. My, my good friend Mark Thiessen and I were talking about this the other day. Over the past 30 years, the percentage of the world's population that lives in extreme poverty— has been cut in half from a 52% majority to just 21%. Even more astonishing is this fact. The Brookings Institute reported just this last September, as they say, for the first time since agricultural-based civilization began 10,000 years ago, the majority of mankind, the majority of humankind, some 3.8 billion people live in households with enough discretionary expenditures to be considered, as they say, middle class or even rich. Now, now think about that. In just a few decades, we have gone from a world in which the majority of human beings lived in extreme poverty to one that now has a middle class majority for the first time since the Stone Age. Now, this is just to me a, a stunning a, a achievement. So how did that happen? Well, I think there's three key things. One, uh, the overall, uh, I, I believe, dramatic expansion of, of human prosperity was unleashed by, first and foremost, the collapse of socialism. 
certainly as a as a child, I saw it uh, as I was coming of age when we saw the fall of the Soviet Union and the Soviet black countries, uh, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall and all those things that came together. Hopefully we'll, we'll soon see it in places like Venezuela with the fall of Maduro and an opportunity for those people to live outside of his clutches. So first, it was the collapse of socialism. Secondly, we've seen the growth of democratic capitalism. And third, we've seen the rise of the United States of America as the world's only, only superpower, which those things all together provided the critical foundation of peace and security that made all this progress possible. Now, a lot of our students, I think one of our challenges, often I say on college campuses and even in high school, we don't necessarily need conservatives teaching. We just need objective teaching. People just get a basic understanding of American and world history. If they're taught the basics when it comes to economics and financial literacy, we win because the facts are overwhelmingly on our side. So when you think about that, that that's really what's amazing. We are witnessing the greatest story of upward mobility in the history of mankind. And America, America, these United States of America made it possible. So why don't young Americans give our country and our incredible free enterprise system the credit that they deserve for this progress? Well, simply put, they just don't know the facts. It turns out that only about 5% of Americans know that global poverty has declined and that two-thirds actually think that poverty around the world is on the rise. When the opposite is true, think about this in your own household and circle of family and friends. Many don't know the facts, and many, unfortunately, in the media may not be outright biased, but when they repeat these myths, it only perpetuates uh, the, the narrative that somehow America and the rest of the world are not doing well. Now, without a doubt, there, there's plenty that needs to be done here in this country and around the world to improve access uh, so that everyone can participate in this prosperity and freedom we relish here in the United States of America. But the facts show that we're on the rise and that no generation has had a greater opportunity to experience the benefits of that prosperity and freedom than this generation. When a majority of young Americans believe that poverty is rising, Socialism somehow works, capitalism doesn't, and our country isn't that special. We are failing at our basic responsibility to teach the next generation fundamental truths. I know back on a few weeks ago on the 4th of July, I, I found it unbelievable that week to see online a tweet with a little video clip from the New York Times editorial board that questioned how great America really was. This is the sort of backlash we get from many of our young people who, who buy in not just to the Times, but to all sorts of other sources out there. AOC is right about one thing. Just this generation of voters will determine the future direction of our country. So if we're to save the American free enterprise system from the rising tide of socialism, we need to do a much, much, much better job of educating that generation about the achievements of a democratic capitalism and the disaster, the disaster, the absolute unmitigated disaster that has fallen countries that have embraced socialism. I want to talk some more about that and, and give you a little bit more detail of what we're going to be doing going forward when we get a chance right after that. Hey, this is Scott Walker, and you're back on You Can't Recall Courage. Thanks so much for joining us. And in fact, as we look ahead to next week, I'll encourage you to go to our Facebook page. We're at Facebook dot com slash Scott K. Walker. I'm going to put up a post uh, once this podcast 
is uh, has had some time to percolate on Friday, and uh, we'd love to have you come visit, uh, not only to get updates, but we'd love to take your questions. Go to facebook.com slash Scott K. Walker, and uh, we'll answer some of your questions on next Friday's podcast, which comes up 9 a.m. Central Time every Friday. So I was talking about uh, young people and how the the facts don't match the opinions of people like AOC, but unfortunately, a lot of folks in her generation who somehow think uh, that socialism is a good thing and that the capitalism is not, uh, we've got to do a better job of getting the, the facts out because the facts are on our side. And one of the exciting things I announced earlier this week was the Young Americans Foundation. Young Americans Foundation, which is the premier group uh, promoting free enterprise, strong national defense, conservative values for decades now, uh, their board of directors asked me to, to be the next president of YAF. Uh, Ron Robinson's done a fabulous job for now decades and uh, has really established a premier organization working with young people in colleges and high schools across the country, getting out, <clears throat> excuse me, getting out uh, speakers on those campuses, forming chapters, about 500 chapters across the nation, uh, doing programs. You know, some of our speakers are people like Ben Shapiro and others who are thought-provoking advocates for free speech and conservative thought. Uh, we look at uh, programs like the Reagan Ranch and the Reagan Ranch Center just outside of Santa Barbara and in Santa Barbara. That's one of the things that was most appealing to me. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, you've heard me talk about this before, President Reagan. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, ran for president in 1980 when I was 12 years old. And I got to tell you, much as our goal is to help shape the next generation of, of great Americans, uh, Ronald Reagan, I think other than my parents, my mom uh, and dad, Lou and Pat Walker, uh, other than the two of them, no other person had a greater influence on my political beliefs and my values today than President Reagan. And, and that was so important because to me, I'm not just a Republican or a conservative today, both of which I am. Uh, I'm most importantly an optimist. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan had an eternal optimism, a belief in the American people that uh, that not only was a positive thing, ins uh, aspirational, motivational uh, for me and so many others in my generation, but it really was the heart of, of our conservative thought as well. You know, we fundamentally knew, and I know again even more so today, that that's the difference between those of us on the right and those left of centers. They too often believe in the government. They believe government at the local, the state, and the federal level should tell you what to do, when to do, and how to do it because they put their faith in the government. We, we certainly I do, and I think those who share my opinion, we, we put our beliefs uh, in the people, in the American people, and the people in each of our jurisdictions. That as long as you don't hurt the health and safety of your neighbor, go out and do your own thing. Live your own life. Be your own person. We believe in the individual. I've often said that, you know, True freedom and prosperity do not come from the clumsy hand of the government. They come from empowering people to live their own lives and control their own destinies, the dignity that's born of hard work. And so at Young America's Foundation, where, again, I'm pleased to say I'll soon be taking the helm. Now, this is part of a, a long-term transition plan they've been working on. So I'm, I'm actually not starting full-time until February of 2021. So I, I suppose... Uh, <laughs> Jokingly, I said I, I probably have the longest uh, transition time that anybody in Washington has ever had, although it is kind of cool uh, for those of you who followed me in the past to, to be able to say I'm the president-elect, in this case the president-elect of YAF. But uh, as we transition there, uh, I'm thrilled that, that YAF, Young America's Foundation, is really at the front line of the battle for the soul of America. 
to prevail, I think, in the coming years, we're going to need to train a whole new generation of young conservative leaders who can share with other young people our love, our un, unflinching love for this great country, the United States of America, our support for a free enterprise system within a democratic republic, and a continued focus on our timeless conservative values, along with upholding the importance of a strong national defense. These are things that President Reagan talked about over and over again and were ingrained in me all the time I, I entered my teen years and beyond. To do this, I think we have to increase the, the, the number of effective conservative speakers on campuses across the country and, and do everything in our power to make sure that they're heard. You know, free speech is inherent in, in the United States Constitution. It's what the, the Bill of Rights were all about. Is guaranteeing those speeches right at the top, freedom of speech. And yet, sadly, these days in our college campuses all across the country, public and private alike, all too often, free speech is most threatened on our college campuses. I don't know my, I don't mind protest. Obviously, uh, those of you who follow me for years know that I've had plenty of protests in the past, including the occupation of our state capitol with over 100,000 protesters. But truth be told, that's not what I worry about on campuses. If I go to give a speech, if someone wants to protest, fine. That, that's part of living in America. You can freely protest, including your elected officials. But protesting is different than, than outright shutting people down. And that's what free speech is about. Protest. Get your voice out. Hold up a sign. Stand outside and chant on the way into a hall. But when someone's on campus, and for that matter, anywhere in the country, but particularly when someone's on campus, they should have the right to be heard. And, and YAF is at the forefront of not only providing speakers, again, people like I said, Ben Shapiro and plenty of other, uh, I think, very inspirational and interesting speakers along the way, but also making sure that those speakers and any other students or guests or staff, faculty, and others like them get a chance to be heard. I think on top of that, we need to do more to expand our outreach beyond just college campus and high schools to start reaching young people before they even enter their teenage years. I mentioned the, the fact that Ronald Reagan uh, was running in 1980 when I was still 12 years old. And think about my youngest niece, Eva, right now, and my other niece, Isabella, who's 15. These are critical times, not only when it comes to political opinions, but just life in general. And so the sooner we can reach young people, the better. It's, it's not enough just to be on college campus. And don't get me wrong, that's incredibly important. Uh, but we need to reach young people even sooner. And we need to do it beyond just traditional four-year undergraduate colleges and universities across the country. I think there's a tremendous opportunity to reach out to our students at the two-year technical and community colleges across the country. I also think we need to go beyond just traditional means of communications. It's great to be uh, on speeches on campus. It's great to send out written materials to be handed out or, or read or mailed. Uh, but increasingly, not only expanding our social media presence, but even being involved in digital marketing, other ways to break through to a, a whole new generation. I often joked thinking that Ronald Reagan, if we were alive and with us today, would be uh, right on top of it. He'd be on Twitter and Instagram and just a Periscope, anything else he could get his access to. He'd want to be communicating with the people he loved most, the American people, not not necessarily the, the, the people living in the bubble in Washington, but the people out working hard every single day, regardless of age, regardless of background, the people who are working hard trying to live their piece of the American dream and live that dream in a way that they could pass it on to their children and grandchildren to live an even greater life going forward. And so this is part of what we're going to be doing 
going ahead with Young America's Foundation. Now, between now and then, I'm still going to stay actively involved in other projects. You know, I'm out there pushing for a balanced budget amendment, and uh, we're already up to 28 states. We need 34 to push the issue uh, on a nationwide basis. We've got uh, tremendous efforts going on in places like South Carolina, Kentucky, Minnesota, Idaho, Montana, Virginia. Those are some of the next states on the list. And we can get the job done. And we need to, thinking about the next generation. Uh, when I was born, the national debt was just a little over $300 million. My share of that was $1,640. Today, the national debt is over $22 trillion. And a child born in this country right now, on this day, would inherit over $67,000 as their share of the national debt. In addition, to, to make sure that we've got uh, common-sense conservatives who at least have the opportunity to make their case to the voters uh, in their states, in their jurisdictions, and congressional districts across the country, I'm happy to continue my role being involved with the National Republican Redistricting Trust. Simply put, I'm the Republican counter to Eric Holder. Uh, Holder and Obama have raised tens of millions of dollars with the simple strategy of pick a state and sue until you're blue. The idea being that that they either through the courts or through the process of electing justices and judges in the states, electing lawmakers and governors, they've got a strategy to pick a state and keep chipping away until they can elect more Democrats and particularly more Democrats to the U.S. House of Representatives. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going to do that. We're going to be involved with a number of things. I'll continue on with this podcast every week, again, 9 o'clock in the morning, every Friday. Uh, central time, and we hope you'll continue to not only tune in, but but share, uh, if you if you like it, sh- share the link and connection to other people who might be willing to join us. Again, next week, uh, make sure between now and then you go to facebook.com slash Scott K. Walker and look for a post uh, about questions so we can answer some of your questions next week. I continue every Friday to have in the Washington Times a column, so make sure you go to washingtontimes.com or pick up your hard copy today. And we're doing reforms in our own state. We work with the Institute for Reforming Government to make sure that the reforms that were passed in Wisconsin over the past eight years, that brought about unbelievable prosperity and a strong economy, record low unemployment now for more than a year, more people working in Wisconsin than ever before in the history of that state. At the same time, we went from inheriting a $3.6 billion structural deficit to having had a surplus every year I was in office and passing on the state in good financial condition. Those are all things we want to make sure we maintain for future generations going forward. And so I'm excited about what we're doing here in Wisconsin. I'm excited what we're doing for the next year and a half across the country with a whole bunch of things. And I'm particularly excited about Young America's Foundation, yaf.org. That's yf.org, yaf.org. Check in if it's, you might be a student yourself. Join us and Either join up with a, a chapter on campus or start one of your own if you're on a campus that doesn't have one. If you're a mom or dad, aunt or uncle, grandma or grandpa out there, and you've got someone either in school or about to head into high school or, or college or university, again, go to yaf.org and help us get the, that loved one in your family connected. And, and certainly you can help us financially get the message out uh, as well. And so we're excited about the future and this opportunity. Most importantly, beyond all the things we're talking about, the outreach on campus, the new expanded digital operations, pushing even earlier into the beginning of the teen years, most importantly, I think more than anything, just as Reagan did, we must share an optimistic vision for America. 
Because amid all the doom and gloom in our politics today, I truly believe that there's a hunger for optimism amongst young people. President Reagan often quoted Thomas Paine's famous declaration that in America, we have it in our power to begin the world all over again. And Reagan always added, we still have that power. I want young Americans to understand that they have that power. It's up to them, not government, to remake the world. We can restore pride in our country and continue the unprecedented expansion of liberty and prosperity that is sweeping the globe. And the only way that they can do it is through the power of individual freedom and free enterprise. Like I said, it's up to them, not the government, to remake the world. Together, we will help them do just that. I'm Scott Walker. Thanks for joining me on You Can't Recall Courage. I'll join you next week at 9 a.m. Central Time. Until then, keep fighting for freedom.